welcome to Themis Podcasts. Themis is a risk management firm specialising in financial crime. Our aim of these podcasts is to bring you interesting news, interviews and recordings of our exclusive events from the world of financial crime. Mythbusting in Modern Slavery This podcast is brought to you as part of a key industry-wide research project, commissioned by the UK Independent Anti-Slavery Commissioner and in partnership with Tribe Freedom Foundation. It is one of a series that we will be releasing that addresses modern slavery and human trafficking in the financial sector. In this podcast, we talk to Andrew Wallace, OBE, about the myths surrounding modern slavery. Andrew is CEO of the charity Unseen, which also runs the Modern Slavery Helpline. Earlier this year, Themis commissioned research of the financial sector, which found that nearly 40% of financial services professionals don't believe modern slavery exists in the UK. Andrew explains why this impression is misguided and the many forms in which firms are likely to encounter modern slavery. Hello, and welcome to this Themis podcast, Myth Busting in Modern Slavery. I'm Henry Williams, Head of Investigations at Themis. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Andrew Wallace, OBE. Andrew is CEO of Unseen, a UK charity working towards ending modern slavery and which also runs the Modern Slavery Helpline. This helpline caters directly to victims of modern slavery, as well as providing information to businesses and individuals who may have concerns about potential instances of modern slavery in our operations. Thanks very much for joining us today, Andrew. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Henry. Good to be with you. Great. And um, one of the reasons we want to call this episode Myth Busting in Modern Slavery is because from our own research, we found that nearly 40% of financial services professionals think that modern slavery is something that does not happen in the UK. And this is an attitude which gets worse the further up the management chain one travels. This is despite there being thousands of victims and indeed some very high profile operations in the UK against traffickers, such as Operation Fort, which tackled a Polish organised crime gang. So perhaps if we could start at the beginning, Andrew, why was it necessary for the UK to bring in the Modern Slavery Act in 2015? I think probably precisely because of that statistic that you've just quoted was the level of unbelief around uh, uh, how could this possibly be happening in the United Kingdom? in the 21st century you know we all grew up with believing William Wilberforce had ended slavery and it had gone away um, and it, you know if we go back 10 or so years ago uh, in, in the early history of Unseen this was a backwater issue people didn't believe it happened and it was if it was believed it was only around sexual exploitation um, I had the privilege in 2011 of chairing a report for the Centre for Social Justice that looked precisely at is modern slavery alive and well in the United Kingdom. We published two years later in 2013, and the overarching conclusion was it was very much here. It was massively underreported and massively uh, not uh, well combated and understood. Um, and the, the purpose for arguing, and it was one of our headlines for a modern slavery act, was to say, look, Legislation had built up piecemeal, um, but it was only understood in terms of human trafficking. By that, it was international, so there was sort of no recognition that this could also affect UK nationals. And what we argued for was that, that, if you like, the first sort of plank in effectively tackling this is to have comprehensive and landmark legislation 
because that A, recognises there's a problem, and then B, says there's a legislative process for dealing with it. Um, so the report came out in 2013, and within eight weeks of publishing the report, I was in the Cabinet office with pretty much most of the Cabinet, uh, where Theresa May said, look, based on this report, we're going to bring forth primary legislation. Um, and I think it, it has been landmark, because what it's done is it has brought focus to both law enforcement and government in terms of this is a pressing need. Um, one area that Unseen absolutely led on and, and was, uh, if you like, the key champion for was this transparency and supply chain legislation, which said, look, for businesses, this is a real living issue, regardless of the type of business, but including the financial sector, that within the world's supply chains and within the orbit of business, people are found in situations of forced labor and modern slavery. So you need to be reporting what you're doing to tackle this. It brought focus in terms of the public awareness. But as your st stat says, we're nowhere near yet where we need to be. You know, we need 100% of the population, whether they're working or not, whatever sector they're working or not, to say, we recognise that this is a problem. Now what are we going to do to tackle it? Right. Because it's interesting. Um, certainly when we've looked at the Modern Slavery Act, I'd be interested to hear your opinions on whether you think it's working. Um, so from some of our research, for instance, we were looking at fund managers and um, they have a modern slavery statement as, as they should, over, um, transacting over £36 million annually. Uh, but the ones I've seen say we don't need to assess our supply chains because we're just fund managers, we just invest. We don't have physical supply chains, therefore modern slavery doesn't apply to us. Um, that's oh, how wrong really... they are. <laughs> um, so would you be able to talk a bit more about that, please? It, uh, absolutely. So it, actually, Section 54 of the Modern Slavery Act, which is the Transparency and Supply Chains uh, Clause, is probably the worst subtitle in the world because it isn't just about supply chains. Actually, what the legislation says is it's supply chains and the business practices as a whole. So often th that response that you have from fund managers is a, uh, is a frequent initial response. And so actually the question, there are questions, follow-up questions, that actually make people realize, oh, hang on, maybe I do need to pay a little bit more attention to this. So for example is, where are you investing those funds? Um, because we know where the hotspots in the world are. There isn't a single country in the world that isn't affected by this, but obviously other, there are countries where the problem is, is much higher. So that's like, if you like, your first level of sort of risk analysis around that. Then what, what are you actually investing in? What are the companies that you're investing in? We know certain, sectors are far more prevalent as we currently understand it to being vulnerable to these uh, situations um, and uh, you know whether that's mining or construction or apparel or food and drink um, or agriculture or or, or or so actually what we're talking about is what level of due diligence are you doing um, because if you're saying well we don't have a supply chain but we're going to invest in this business and we haven't done any due diligence around it then actually um, is that safe? You know, could it come back to, uh, to bite you in, in that whole process? So that's sort of that's sort of the in, in the initial point. The yeah. second point is, as a business, you'll procure. So w where are you procuring from? Um, and it isn't just desks and chairs and computers, etc. Around that, but it could be other things that you procure. So you know, if you uh, catering, or security, or cleaning. Um, and often these businesses are built on a subcontracting model. 
And so the business that you're paying may not be the business that's actually delivering the service. And what we know about these supply chains is the further away you, that you get, the, the more likelihood there is for, uh, you know, at best, labor exploitation, and at worst, it's full-on forced labor, what we would call on slavery. So are you doing due diligence there? It, it then goes one that. It's like if you're then purchasing a new office, who's built the office, under what circumstances were they built? If you're a global business, you know, where in the world we know that there is a huge amount of forced labor within the construction sector that are building offices. And we can even also take it back in certain countries, back to the bricks. Who's made, made the bricks? It's, it's made by people that are in indentured labor. So to say this doesn't touch my business or my investment it is, an, is a misnomer. But then actually, let's also personalize it as well. So if you eat food, if you're a consumer, um, then without really trying, um, you know, just food, clothing, electronics, there are probably 40 to 60 slaves connected to you because of where they are found in the world's supply chains. Wow. So we can't, get, we can't deny that we're not both personally impacted by this but also, you know, um, at a business level or a fund level, we're, we're impacted by this. And even further, you know, in a UK context to say, oh, this doesn't touch what we do. You know, we now have an understanding that modern slavery um, is also found in other industries that you and I also access, you know, car washes, nail bars, etc. So modern slavery has seeped into every area of life. So to say this doesn't affect us is to sort of, it's kind of sticking your head in the sand. Right. I mean, because I sort of think almost maybe in, in sympathy for them, I think sometimes people find it quite difficult to visualise what modern slavery really is. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, most people, when they think of it, they think of uh, prostitution and human trafficking. And um, so, I mean, would you be able to sort of maybe sort of explain how does modern slavery exist in the UK, for instance? Sure. Um, I think let's start with a working definition, because actually what we're talking about is an industry. Um, so it's a commodity industry. The commodity happens to be a human being that is bought, sold and exploited for vast profits. And there is actually very little chance if you're the perpetrator of those, those crimes of, of actually being caught. So it, it, if you think about it, it's, it's a rival industry to your industry that is looking to make money. How does it present in the UK? Um, it, it affects women and men almost equally at the moment in terms of the number of victims that we're seeing. The vast majority are found in situations of forced labor, so not sexual exploitation anymore. Sexual exploitation is around 20-25%, the vast majority forced labor, then some domestic servitude and some forced criminality um, as well. Last year we saw in excess of 10,000 victims being identified and going into the government's national referral mechanism scheme. We run, as you said in the intro, we run the UK's modern slavery helpline. We see we saw last year about 7,000 plus uh, potential victims identified. The the length and breadth of the country um, it, and in all forms of, of, of exploitation. In terms of how uh, it presents in terms of individuals, um, often we talk about this concept of hidden in plain sight. So we need to sort of break the, the conception that they're locked away, chained up um, and, and hidden from view. Um, yes, some are hidden, but the, the concept of people being locked up um, it isn't really true. The, the controls now are psychological or debt bondage or threats against them or their family, whether they're true or not, but they're perceived to be true. So people are held in psychological control. So individuals who often not want to engage 
Um, are they appropriately addressed for the work that they're doing? Um, do they have access to their papers, their passports? Do they have freedom of movement or are they always under the control of somebody else? Um, we've seen situations of where, you know, it houses a multiple occupancy, 30, 40 people in a three bedroom terraced house um, with the novel concept of hotbedding um, and, and just um, fearful of authority and, and, and others. Um, and then they are inserted into the lower ends of, of the supply chains of work. Um, but, you know, also recently we've seen in Leicester, you know, with, with Boohoo, um, and again, you know, to your audience, you know, what about those organisations that have been investing in Boohoo? You know, where was the due diligence? Because again, it, just having a modern slavery statement is, is not enough. The statement should be a reflection of the actual steps that you're taking. So to say, well, we think modern slavery is a really bad idea um, and we have some policies and procedures. Great, you can say that in year one, but this is every year and it's meant to be iterative. So what are the actual steps that you are taking to ensure that you haven't got modern slavery? And actually the pivot that every business needs to do is to pivot from, if we find it, then we maybe will do something, to actually our mindset is we are going to find it. So when we find it, and we've got these these things in place that, that we need to do. Do you think, I mean, I mean, for instance, your charity is called Unseen because I guess modern slavery is such a sort of hidden crime which exists among us. Um, so when the financial institution is doing its due diligence, how, how can it spot these um, this crime which is so necessarily hidden? Um, a is to say it, it's really difficult and it's it's evolving and I think this is back to recognizing it as a competitor business so the, the the perpetrators are smart individuals they're not constrained by the laws of the land or the norms and so they will look for ways in which that they can weave in and out um, financial institutions institutions are of interest to them because often the way that the money comes in in their business model is through cash um, they then need to clean that cash um, um, in order to then uh, move it on. Um, but they also have that they're also ingenious in terms of how they want to, you know, make access to the financial markets easier for themselves. So um, they'll do everything from taking control of the bank accounts of the victims that they have control of. So, you know, are we doing enough due diligence around how people are opening bank accounts? Are we observing those bank accounts? Because they'll then use that bank account to access legitimate pay. So we've seen examples of people in legitimate employment being paid legitimate wages, but the business and the bank didn't know that that bank uh, account was under the control of somebody else. And you reference Op Fort, you know, where the criminal gangs had multiple bank cards with the PIN numbers written on the back, and every time that people were paid, they would go and withdraw all the, the, the monies out of that. But then they used their bank accounts also to process other um, illegal uh, criminal activity, uh, funding around that. They will also, um, especially when you get to the sort of the high-end um, OCGs, they are purchasing um, property, cars, goods, um, which all of which are covered by you know the, the modern slavery act in terms of the proceeds of crime act but again those assets are being used in order to clean cash in, in that whole process so i think for financial institutions it is it's about making sure that everybody in the organization is aware of what modern slavery is 
Um, so there's a training element that, that needs to take place uh, there. There's then what reporting procedures do you have if you have concerns around that? How do you then safely report that? Um, how do you work, say, with the Modern Slavery Helpline? Uh, and we work with a number of financial institutions in terms of if you report, we'll then work with you and law enforcement and others in order that there is a measured response, there's an intelligent sharing response, but primarily if there are victims involved, that victims are taken care of in, in that whole response. So it's, it's a layered up approach. Now, when you get more to sort of fund houses and um, investment banks and everything else, it's, it's more the high-end investigation in terms of where the money flows. It's, yeah. it's sort of the Al Capone, follow the money uh, type thing. Um, and, and that is probably a flow from sort of retail banking into sort of higher-end banking um, over time. But it's that financial investigation around that but also working with law enforcement and other agencies around where we know that there are key individuals following where those individuals are in the financial sector and what the money is doing often leads to more and more understanding and uncovering of criminality. Okay. Cause I think, I think this is often what is ignored about modern slavery is that it is a financial crime. Um, I was reading a report about the um, Italian mafiosi uh, Salvatore Buzzi, and he says he makes more money from immigrants than he does from drugs. So I think when yeah. when financial institutions are looking at this um, looking at this problem, then they have to treat it as a financial crime, as they would any other sort of drugs and sanctions, for instance. It, 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 it's in, you're absolutely right. Why do people get involved in modern slavery? It, it, it's money. It, it's this commodity trade, and they look at an individual and go, "How can I maximise the amount of money that I can get from that individual by selling and exploiting that individual?" And often they will find multiple ways of, of exploiting them. So maybe during the day they are exploited through labor exploitation, then at night they are sexually exploited. Um, you know, and, and at one end of the extreme, we've seen organ removal as well. So, you know, it's like you, you fully utilize your asset in order to make vast amounts of money. And I think it was about 13 years ago, um, there was an estimation in terms of, well, what's the scale of the money that we're talking about when it comes to, to trafficking and, and slavery? And the estimate then was about $150 billion profit, not turnover profit. Uh, you could easily double that figure and you, and you wouldn't be out and, and probably and some again. So it's, it's vast amounts of money um, that this trade is all about. And, and that's, that's really important. You mentioned the drugs trade because the, 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 you know, the drugs uh, industry you know, the amount of focus and resourcing and trying to combat that, you look at modern slavery, it is, it already has or will overtake drugs, and yet the resourcing and the focus is nowhere near comparable. Um, and so it's, it's an uneven fight at the moment in, in trying to combat this. And, and, and the final thing is, the great thing about a human commodity versus drugs is drugs is the one-hit wonder. Once you've snorted it, it's gone. With a human being, you can exploit and exploit and exploit. Well, I think this probably brings us on to the um, sort of next point. So, when we were when we were conducting our polling of financial service professionals, only twenty seven percent felt they were sort of confident to identify signs of modern slavery, uh, which would clearly be one of the first steps in the business being able to try and address the problem. Um, so, could you perhaps sort of suggest what you know? What are the signs? People can look out for, and also one of the sort of biggest misconceptions you find when people talk to you about modern slavery. Um, let's start with the, the misconceptions. I think the, the first one is 
and, and back to what we said at the top of this interview was it doesn't happen here it does second misconception is it's a foreign problem it's not a problem that's here um you know uk nationals are have consistently been in the top five if not now the top three in terms of victims that are identified so it's both a problem that is here and um and and global and you know imported into this country um as well um and then i think the third misconception is is the scale of the problem so i talked that ten thousand figure that i talked about earlier um a, a recent report came out that said actually the, the real number in terms of victims at any one time in the UK is at least a hundred thousand. So it's, it's understanding the, the, the scale of the problem. Um, in terms of, of how does it present, we've talked through some of those scenarios already. Um, I think the thing about recognizing the signs, I think the key thing is, is getting training um, to, to recognize those signs. So I think there is that need for, um, if 27% say they recognise it, just doing the maths in my head, there's 73% that, that need train, training. I hope that adds to 100%. Well, it actually, um, actually goes over because that, that was our next question to them. And it, uh, it was 78% felt they could do with more or better training. Yes. Um, so shameless plug. I mean, we work with some of the financial banks at the moment and have developed training packages for them. So contact us directly and we, and we can um, work with you and, and your business in terms of, of training people. The other thing is also um, once you know and you recognize the signs, what happens when you do see something? And, and I think some of it is getting over our sort of British reserve. Um, I know the financial sector is international, but just that reserve of, like, if I report something, what if I get it wrong and it's not right? And often what we say to people is, look, often this is just a hunch and a gut feeling because you're not going to see all the indicators at once. You're going to see something and there's going to be something that you think, that's not right. You know, this person that's trying to open this bank account, there's something not right or this person that's looking for this investment mm, something's off here um, and it's been having the courage to, to report that um, obviously you can report to the modern slavery helpline um, if you have a smartphone um, of, of any variety you can download the unseen app which has got all the indicators on but also enables you to report directly into the, the helpline it can be anonymous uh, and, and remain confidential but obviously the more information that we get and can work with individuals or in institutions, uh, the more helpful it is because it's about building that intelligence picture. And often you may have the last piece of the jigsaw that reveals the whole picture that then enables somebody to get out of a situation of exploitation or enables the police to enact a warrant in order to, um, to get people out of that, that situation. So I think awareness is really, really critical. Then beyond awareness, it's then what are you saying to the business that you work for around so what are we doing you know have we really got a zero tolerance policy when it comes to modern slavery or are we just paying lip service what are we actively doing and it's this point of the steps what steps are we taking you know our staff being trained have we reviewed all our policies and our procedures have we got a policy around what we will and won't investigate in what's the level of due diligence that we're doing around this you know are we inspecting it or are we we expecting it um, and it, it you know, and some of it is just is business as usual but bringing the, all those tools if you like into this arena um, and moving from oh this doesn't affect us to actually know this we are at risk and we need to be risk averse to this and then beyond that we need to be proactively doing it you know we need to find it we need to fix it we need to share that learning we need to bring remediation 
Great. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I think that was going to be my final question. What can people do on an institutional and the personal level to help tackle this problem? Uh, but to me, it sounds like the first thing you ought to be doing is downloading the Unseen app. Uh, absolutely. Which I think I know. And then, and then getting trained. And then getting trained, absolutely. Um, well, great. Well, thank you very much for, um, for joining us today on this podcast. I think, I think people will find that hugely useful. And hopefully, I think next time we go and sort of do a survey of the financial sector, we'll find that they're, they're much better clued up on what, what is modern slavery and what risks people are facing. Let's hope so. Thank Great. you. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been an informative and valuable podcast for you. A quick shout out, if I may. As a public-private research project, we are developing an industry-wide response, and so we are keen to speak to as many financial institutions as possible so that we can understand current and best practices. Whether you work for a bank or building society, an investment manager, an insurance house, an accountancy firm, a money service or payments business, a regular or crypto exchange, or any other financial institution, we want to hear from you. If you'd like to either participate or sponsor this research, please do get in touch and we would love to talk to you and your team about what you're currently doing to either detect or prevent any links to modern slavery and human trafficking. You can reach me on henry.williams at themisservices.co.uk or find out more via our research website www.crime.financial forward slash msht. Thank you for listening to the latest Themis podcast. We hope you found it interesting and informative. If you would like to find out more about Themis, get in touch with us via our website, www.crime.financial. You can also subscribe for future news and interviews.